Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by Brad Pitt's Abs in Fight Club. Now, let's dim the lights and stare at those abs and start the show. Welcome to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by The Prancing Pony. Stride into the best bed and breakfast experience in Brie. Friends and comfort await for you at the Prancing Pony. Welcome to the Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is a show where we like to attempt and analyze movies from, you know, a fan perspective, but also from filmmaker point of view, maybe. Figure out something new and interesting to, to talk about. Today. And I usually am the one that learns a lot of that, about that <laughs> kind of stuff from you. But it's interesting, as we've been going, you've been pulling up you know, old stuff, like things we've talked about in the past and applying them to new films. And mm-hmm. it's been pretty cool because I feel like, uh, at least one person <laughs> is, is getting something out of this. If it's not just me listening to myself talk twice, because it shouldn't be so bad. Yeah. Got a sultry voice. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Me and my laughing. I think people probably get so annoyed with me laughing all the time and I understand it. I just can't stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't. I, At least you don't say like every other word. Like, that's really true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Today we're going to be doing Baby Driver. Oh, yes. If you haven't seen it already, definitely go check it out, but also be forewarned. There's going to be a lot of spoilers. We're going to do some deep dive and some details of the plot. So if you don't want that ruined, go check it out. And especially if you can see it in the theater, I think that's the definitely that's the way to go, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the way they tie everything together... Um, sonically with the music and, um, and the editing and, and the act, like just it, everything all together. It's one of those movies where, um, I mean, it, it's, it's cool to watch it in your living room, but mm-hmm. when you, when you really get to see it all like locked in full screen, you know, uh, in a theater experience, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, 10 times the film. I completely agree. I mean, I'm excited to watch it in, in the house, but it still hasn't really left the theaters in Austin yet. Yeah. And so I'm probably going to go watch it one more time before it gets out. <laughs> of course you will. <laughs> I've only seen it three times now. Right, exactly. Well, no, twice. Twice, yeah. Only twice. Oh. Jeez, what am I doing? Um, Slacking, bro. So today we're going to be talking about the rhythm and music, obviously. You can't talk about this film without bringing that in. Uh, we'll discuss the title sequence, the editing. Um, there's some interesting anecdotes or styles with this editing along with Edgar Wright's style in particular. Um, and we'll also discuss some of the foreshadowing. A lot to dive into. I don't know if I have, I called it a deep dive. I think it's just a dive. I, I get so <laughs> lost in this film that sometimes I forget. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, there's, there's stuff to take away. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into the synopsis here. After being coerced into working for a crime boss, a young getaway driver finds himself taking part in a heist that's doomed to fail. It's written and directed by Edgar Wright, starring Ansel Elgert as B-A-B-Y Baby, Lily James as Deborah, Kevin Spacey as Doc, John Hamm as Buddy, John Bernthal as Griff, Jamie Foxx as Bats, and uh, Isa Gonzalez as Darling. Are you just starting your day or did you just get off? They call, I go, you know. So what is it you do? 
become a driver. Oh, like a chauffeur. Anyone I'd know? I hope not. What is your name? Baby. Your name's Baby. B-A-B-Y Baby. one who say listen to the music all the time is he uh, mental mental meaning slow was he slow no oh yeah i could definitely listen and watch that trailer over and over again it's, yeah and there was a lot of options there's so many clips online i'll put some in the show notes at the pestlepodcast.com slash baby driver um that it was really tempting to grab one of these scenes they have the entire opening Bell bottom sequence, no actually. Way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, I, I had, we watched this together in the theater, and at the end of that opening scene, I looked at you and just was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. I'll let it run in the background uh, just so I can kind of watch it. And talk <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> That's what we're doing? You're just like watching videos. Hogging the screen. Yeah, you did. You looked over, and I was like, yeah. It's on because honestly, it had been I don't know two or three months since it had been out. Well, that's how it felt to me. I hadn't seen it since it had first released, and I'd kind of forgotten how strong that opening was. Yeah, and so I wanted to look at you too. I was like, dude, this is great. This is awesome. <laughs> and I mean, being a music, you know guy and and uh, i mean it's so important in film we talk about this every week almost it feels like because mm-hmm. all the films even the ones we don't like the music is is just so important uh, uh in this film in particular everything is locked in to the music I hardcore mean, hardcore he wrote the script to music i mean even the the opening scene really and i always talk about like how you open really is indicative of the kind of film you're about to watch totally and this is 100 no exception right because he's pounding on the steering wheel he's using the car his his you know the thing he does he's a driver and he's using it as his instrument so it's an instrument not only you know uh, metaphorically where that's his instrument for work his tool for work but it's also literally his instrument as he's banging on it, you know, and using the wipers in rhythm and synchronization. Yeah, and everything uh, is timing for him. So, like, even when they start, when they get out of the car to start the heist, opening the the, the yeah. trunk is to the beat. Pulling out the gun is to the beat. Cocking it is to the beat. When they end up shooting it, it's to the beat. Everything is locked in. And that's, we'll get into it a little bit later, but that's how they did the editing, too. Like, on-site Right when it was Thank happening. You very much, ladies and gentlemen, right now I got to tell you about. <laughs> Took a minute. That's so good. Nice. I love that. I mean, it's you're absolutely right because everything. It's not just him. Mm-hmm. It's the entire sequence, and I feel like you don't really get out of rhythm until John Bernthal. Uh, I mean, even as he's about to get in the car right now in the scene, he's gonna point forward like, "Okay, let's go," and he's in reverse. He backs out like uh, maybe. Baby backs out and John's thinking we're going forward. He's like, "Oh crap, we're going back." <laughs> it's so good. He's it's just like, he's, he's in his own he's world, running he's it, pulling everyone in into his sphere. It's it's incredible. I think uh, one of my friends, Stephen, came back and he's like, "Man, I didn't like it. I felt like it was too much of a musical." Which I kind of understand the the dilemma of of calling it that because it does feel right on the cusp of being a musical. I think the 
the obvious difference is there's no actual singing from our mm-hmm. cast. Which is <laughs> what a musical what ma- is. A musical is. Right. That's what but it's so heavily timed. Uh, I wonder if there's much of this movie that is outside of a soundtrack. You know? Mm, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's all... It's all musical. I feel like even the acting is somewhat musical. The mm-hmm. scene with um, when he meets um, when he meets Deborah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there. The way he says his tells her his name is very metho- like yeah. uh, melodic. Uh, B a b y baby. Like the way yeah. she talks is melodic. Like every everything is kind of kind of has a rhythm to it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I want to go back to your point. Uh, earlier about the way a film opens tells you all about it right and I feel like the opening of this film tell is, is a perfect example of that it, it tells you everything it's, that this film is going to be it's going to be um, fun right because he puts on the music he starts you know, well, it's going to be serious. Let's start off. It's going to be serious. He pulls up. He, you know, it's going to be a heist. They get up. They, they get out of the car. They walk. They go into the the bank. Uh, so there's seriousness, and then he puts on the music, and starts dancing, and that and singing, and that's fun. Yes. Um, and funny, kind of. It's rhythmic, so you know it's going to be tied to music. It's all in you know in sequence and or in um, locked into the music already. So you you're hearing stuff happen on the beats. Um, and then, and then it gets serious again. There's gunfighting. Um, there's chasing and running. And there's him taking, ta- or there, there's things going wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's there's him taking charge and and fixing it all. His creativity, with his car. yeah, is unparalleled, right? You have the uh, the color choice is interesting in the beginning because he he's in a red car. And they've largely drained the rest of the uh, the framing. Everything in your composition is minus red. I mm-hmm. mean, there's touches here and there. There might be some uh, red tail lights, but that's about the extent of it, right? They're really draining all the red to emphasize later in that scene that it, it helps to kind of give you some contrast, so that whenever he comes across those two red cars on the highway that he can take advantage of, suddenly. You understand what's happening, and you yeah. catch on that much easier. So he doesn't have to sit there and give you uh, exposition, right? Oh, there's a there's a car. There's two cars over there. We're going to take advantage of. You know, it's just yeah. Instead, it just happens. And you understand what's happening, and and it helps because red has been saved for that moment. Which is honestly really brilliant because it's so hard to make an interesting car chase nowadays. Yeah, because there's car chases in like in so many movies. So commercials just yeah everywhere. yeah just everywhere so for after for for the feeling that i had after that first car chase mm-hmm. that first scene was like i have never seen anything like that before yeah in a car chase it was thrilling because to your point again like it's gonna be fun it's gonna be serious and you don't know how serious it's gonna be and this goes back to contrast right. the red car was given us contrast to everything around it but there's also a contrast he saves up for the end, which is the violence. You don't know how violent this film is going to be because of how safe everything feels along the way because right. we're stuck in his world. And then you get into the back half of the film, uh, really the last third, I think, and suddenly people's heads are getting blown off and gaping chest wounds and uh, women being shot up. Like it's yeah. incredibly violent. Yeah. Um, and it, 
you lose that sense of safety just like he's losing that sense of safety mm. because to him this whole time he's been safe but suddenly the world is no longer safe and i love it, what i love about that there's not a lot of films that do this i don't think that can combine a comedy with some pretty extreme violence um which i think I, we won't get into it but the other film that comes to mind immediately is the uh the colin farrell film in, uh, in bruges mm. which i don't know if you've seen that but a perfect example of let's do really strong writing and comedy mixed with holy crap that was way more violent than i was expecting and it's great because comedy lets your guard down throughout this movie mm -hmm. you're just kind of cracking up or enjoying the music and enjoying the rhythms i feel like that's that's like Edgar Wright does that all the time i mean like Shaun of the dead True, yeah. It's hilarious and yeah. very gory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just an example. Yeah, no, and it helps that it's zombies. I feel like right, yeah. you never take Yeah, but they, they kill real too. people, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. Does, he does have a history of that, I suppose, especially with Shaun of the Dead, like you said, but Hot Fuzz has mm. some intense violence in there, too. Dude, it absolutely does. I mean, yeah. it's got that real Shaun of the Dead feel yeah. to it. I, I, Which one was first? Uh, Shaun of the Dead, Shaun was, of the Dead was first. Breakout. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, interesting. Yeah, so that's uh, that's a running thing with Edgar Wright. It now seems. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'd... the exception being Scott Pilgrim. Uh, there's no extreme. Oh, yeah. There's no. no blood in there. No. I, not really. No. Um, but there, there, there totally could have been. There could have been, right? Yeah. I, been I mean, <laughs> yeah, I would have loved that. <laughs> At this point, I don't know if Edgar Wright can do much wrong with me. Um, I just am a huge fan. Uh, so. The title sequence is interesting. So you have that opening, that intro, but then it jumps to the the title sequence where they're doing all the credits, and it's a oneer. It's that one long shot of him walking mm. to get coffee, and then to the uh, the safe house to yeah. reconvene with with the group and dole out the the funds, which is still all in rhythm, right? The oneer's in rhythm, yeah. but then that cash sequence is in rhythm up until John Bernthal kind of breaks the rhythm. Because he's he's got something important to foreshadow into him, but that wonder itself is it's kind of masterful. I really think there's it stays mostly in mediums and wides, which makes sense. You don't have to hit a mark quite as hard if you're in a medium. Whereas if you're in a close up, right, you can go out of focus super quick. You can lose your composition really fast. It just gets really much more challenging. Uh, so sticking to mediums and wides is a smart thing to do, which I think you'll see a lot of winners do that. The exception that recently, uh, mother kind of gets away from that, which I want to see that hats off to the, to Aronofsky. Um, but what, what I was noticing earlier, I didn't notice. I don't think I noticed this. Maybe you did. Did you see that the lyrics to the song are all over the place? Like in the scene itself, They've like graffitied on parts or on a lamppost. And so as they're passing these oh things, gosh, no. these words are coming through the, through the song. That's awesome. Because no. that's how perfectly it's synced. No. You know, you could be walking along and suddenly, uh, one more time, you know, is, is written on the wall or, uh, is a storefront sign or something. That's awesome. I it love those little things. Little I didn't details. That. I'll post it in the, uh, the show notes. And so you have that, all the, uh, you know, what's also difficult to do is transition seamlessly outside to inside. 
because that's a massive uh, yeah. change in exposure. The lighting difference is huge. Yeah. A lot of films do it, and we don't really notice it because, I mean, they're professionals. But as a filmmaker, I'd still kind of notice, like, oh, there was just a jump in the exposure if they didn't just absolutely nail it and hide it, you know, in uh, post a little bit better. And they killed it here for sure. Uh, I think they did all the right things, right? It's uh, it's hard because maybe they're doing it wirelessly or I don't know how they did Was this. Could there have been like a, a transition at some point? I don't know. To, it looked no. way too seamless. Yeah. Um, I would be super shocked if he managed to to splice in and edit there, which, hey, maybe. I mean, maybe. Birdman. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but you, you have to literally change the, uh, the aperture of the lens itself, and that's such a tiny adjustment, and you have to really be on your game. So I'm sure they set that up wirelessly i was gonna say and it also helps so now you're it does you a lot of favors because you're doing all these wide shots and if you're doing these really wide shots you probably have your exposure stopped down or uh closed down the aperture is going to be closed down to let in less light because you're outside and whenever you have that you have a greater depth of field so there's a lot more room for error with the focus focus different distance and then whenever you step inside, you can close it down, which means uh, butchering all my language here. Apologize, you know, for the actual professionals listening. <laughs> okay. But you're going to open up the aperture at that point. Okay. And now you're getting in all this extra light, but the shallow uh, depth of field starts to kind of sting you. And so I think they pushed in a little bit or maybe kept them not quite as far away as they had been. Mm-hmm. But the other really amazing thing. And so that that little change is very minute, but they have to do it twice because they enter and exit the building yeah and so that that may not sound like a big deal but when you factor in all the other things that are happening in this wonder in this and all title the people sequence, that are in it yeah i was just about to say freaking hats off to the extras yeah <laughs> in this sequence yeah um i'm sure they had to have done some serious casting but there probably is a good 20 to 30 extras throughout that scene that are interacting in the scene. It's not like they're just in the background right. and their timing doesn't matter. Right. He's like narrowly missing these guys and doing kind of these little ditty around people. And so they're having to on time. These have to have been dancers, man, because they are all just killing it. And I've been on sets before where I was an extra in uh, a film where the director had me, like interacting with Ryan Philippe and I had to pass him down a hallway and they're like, okay, actually we're going to have you cut between him and the camera uh, at, at this point. And to me, it's like, okay, I'm, I know I'm an extra today, but you know, I'm a professional. I'm going to take my job seriously and, and figure out how to work that, that moment. And we did a take and like the cameraman shook my hand, Philippe shook my hand and uh, <laughs> the, the director Shook my hand and she's amazing. Um, and I was like, oh, this is for stop loss. This is an old like movie from 2005 or so. And so I'm just thinking, watching this, I'm like, these can't just have been regular extras. Yeah. Because yeah. they would have been throwing professional them extras. Yeah. <laughs> they would have been throwing these guys like huge. Yeah. Like, we're going to the club tonight. Uh-huh. Drinks on me. Open bar, baby. <laughs> they probably, and I mean, so everything is too is to the music that he's quote unquote listening to in his earbuds. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, they, 
I would imagine that they probably were playing that oh, yeah. so everyone could hear it. They're pumping through and everybody that. and everybody is like has their cue. Yeah. That they and their cue and their mark that they're supposed to hit, you know, yeah. at that specific time. So that he misses them or interacts with them somehow or whatever. And I would have loved to have been like a I mean, one of the extras for sure, just to see yeah. how he's rehearsing that and mm-hmm. uh, nailing down all those difficult bits, but also to just have been in there during that writing process of here's how we're going to do this, this title sequence, yeah. um, because it's so precise and it's so well thought out to the music, as you said, and nothing is wasted because it would be easy to just have him walking down the street. But Edgar Wright is, I guess, of the uh, Michelle Gondry school of filmmaking where he's like, eh, it's too easy. <laughs> let's, let's not do that. This, yeah. This needs to be more of a challenge, Yeah, which is admirable. Very, because it adds once again to the intro. Now we're back to back in these very musical sequences. Yeah. And suddenly you're having fun. You're in this guy's world. And now you're, you're a loving Ansel. You've seen his experience and his uh, expertise behind the wheel. You've seen the fun way he interacts with the, the world when he's off the job. And then he walks right into the safe house and he's getting grilled by John Bernthal. And so now it starts to make our skin crawl just a little bit as Bernthal's, uh, what was his name? I don't want to keep calling John Bernthal. His Griff. Griff. As Griff is like slapping the glasses off of him, taking his earbud out. It's grating on us. Yeah. And I love that after he slaps the glasses off, he waits a few beats, yeah. pulls out a second, second pair, pair puts them on. <laughs> so good. <laughs> That's excellent. And so do we see John uh, Griff after his the beginning? Do we ever see him for the rest of the film? No. You know what's great about that is he says as he's exiting, they, they make this comment. I'll pull it up and we can listen. Anything about that, baby? Mommy and Daddy are getting it on. Enough. Now, where do you get off? Right here. Okay, folks. If you don't see me again, it's because I'm dead. Boom. Tell me about. That's so <laughs> there good. There it is. He's like. And then they just never show him again. And, and, and we, I think we go, we talk about this every week too, about like respect for your audience. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to tell us that he's dead. Like, let's like, yeah. maybe we never think about it again and that's okay. And, and I wouldn't have, if you hadn't brought that up, but now that we're talking about it, it's like, now I, I feel like you respected me as a, right. as a viewer. Because that's something I didn't notice until like the third time seeing it. I don't think I even caught on the second time because I'm like, oh, yeah, don't forget to see. Remember, if he comes back and then I get lost again. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so it took me basically three times of seeing that scene. And I love that. That's what makes some like great movies great. Yeah. Is, is you you know, when you watch it the third, fourth time, fifth time, you, you notice these other little things. It's so it's many awesome. details because you put in so much thought and man, I don't think people realize how hard it is as a creator because his films and I'll, I mean, I, I would wager the vast majority of filmmakers create things with so much attention to detail that you should probably never think that things happen by accident. 
you know, yeah. they held this shot a little bit longer by accident. Um, whether it's Spike Lee, Spielberg, whoever, uh, mm. these guys put so much heart and, and attention to it, to things that are probably never going to be appreciated. And, and you, know, you know why I, I, I respect filmmaking so much, um, because, uh, it's, it's that specific thing that you're talking about. Like nothing is really by accident. Everything is pretty much planned. Probably, probably most of the, most of the time, yeah, like, most of the time. a lot of the time, um, is totally like not the case when it comes to music, mm. uh, at least when it comes to like rock and roll or, you know, like, like a lot of stuff is planned out, but a lot of stuff is just experimenting and just figuring stuff out on the fly while you're doing it. You know what I mean? So That's it's like awesome. totally opposite yeah. from that. So it's, it's this movie in particular is so great. My, maybe one of the reasons why I love it is because there's that, the, the chaotic non-planned, um, whatever happens, happens world of music meeting the planned out detailed produced, you know, uh, world of, of film. Ooh. And they just mesh like beautifully. And it's, it's kind of like taking that chaos using film to take that chaos of music and, and stringing it into something that, that just kind of, that flows. Yeah. You know? I, I, I don't know how to ex- explain it. You know what you saying that made me realize, um, because of how meticulously he planned this. So they edited this on set, right? Yeah. They brought in their their editor. They set up a very mobile cart, a little crash cart that could be set up and ready to go in minutes. And he, he had his MacBook Pro set up. He was running Avid for his editing program and a monitor and probably not much else. Yeah. And so he could just take the... Uh, were they were they wirelessly sending him the video? Uh, I mean, more or less. What he was doing was pulling the feed from the uh, the playback cart, ah, okay. and so he could just take that and use it. It wasn't the final. Pretty sure they shot this on film, um, and so obviously oh, okay. they couldn't like expose it on the spot, right? Yeah, yeah. He's gotten into film a lot lately. Let's see. Yes, thirty-five millimeter baby. Nice. <laughs> so, so wait a minute, he would do these edits on, on set and then he'd have to go back and do them exactly the same with film. Exactly. He just needed to know if this scene works. Okay. Are we hitting all our beats? Is it in rhythm? Yeah. And in order to ensure that he did something where they already had all the storyboards, but he had them in his edit so that he could just lay over. He said, Oh, here's the scene where he does the stick shift. And so now he has a little storyboard sequence there for, you know, 18 frames or whatever. And he needed it to work in 18 frames. Right. And now it's like, okay, I can drop that in. Oh, we're running a second long. We need to do that shot again. Trim it down faster, faster. Okay. That's good. Um, moving on. Oh my God. And so they could, but having that, that level of detail was only possible because of how well meticulously planned this was written and and set up beforehand. And what it makes me think to get a little esoteric is this film is a little bit like a heist in and of itself. It was so well planned and hard to ex- execute because if anything one little thing goes goes wrong then you 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 have you have a big party foul that you have to go and spend a bunch of money to reshoot or to fix. So it has to go off without a hitch 
and it did right and obviously yeah. the irony or whatever you want to call it is that the film is about heist um and so interesting i kind of like that i yeah, really like awesome. that this film in and of itself was a bit of a heist for for edgar and my god he delivered knocked it out of the park man. because i can imagine whenever you're i mean i don't have to imagine i know as a filmmaker whenever i'm working on a short film or a paid production I don't know which is worse for me, which is more <laughs> hell when I'm getting paid to do it or I'm paying other people to. <laughs> but it's tough either way. Either way. But to say, oh, this is what it's going to be and I'm going to spend God knows how long he spent writing and pinning down every single beat yeah. to this thing, you know, literally. And then saying, okay, God, I, I hope this works. Let's, let's get yeah, out there. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like probably, and I mean, maybe there's interviews where he says otherwise, uh, <clears throat> he probably was not, he probably wasn't as worried about it as you think. Nice. Because he, it was so detailed. I mean, it's when true. you have, like when you have just an idea, right, you have ideas and then you have, you know, uh, tentacle offshoots of those ideas with a few details here or there, you're more nervous because you don't have all of like the, the, the exact, like you don't see everything exactly in your head. Something like this, like baby driver is so detailed and he, you're right. He probably like planned everything out to the second and and all that stuff. He knew he saw it all in his head. He knew exactly where everything was going to go. He, and everything. And when you're that, into it and you see you have that pinpoint vision you're you're not worried about it especially when you know you got millions of dollars and you've got like professionals working on it and you know you just need them to make it look good but it's your job to make it to make everything come together you know like that scene Mm -hmm. you know you have to have a good dp to make sure that you know you're you're pulling aperture or whatever You, you know you have to have a good gaffer you have to have good um uh, extras and all that stuff. And he, you have all that. So you have all the pros around you. You just need to make sure that what, whatever is in the frame and happening in the frame is what your vision is. And as long as that's the case, then you're not worried. Yeah. I would I, imagine. And no, absolutely. Because he, that edit didn't happen by accident, right? Because right. they had the sequence. And so that was him planning out those sequences with his editor way ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Like here's our storyboard. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, this is all working. And I went to a QA and uh, a whenever I saw it the first time. And he was doing a remote Skype Q&A from New York. And I think you're right. I think he was confident, but maybe dangerously so. Um, <laughs> because there's one point where he was, I, I don't know if it was a mentor or just a really good friend of his that he respected. But his buddy looked at him and had done so many sequences whether it's editing or car chases but he told him from looking at the uh the the script and the sequencing and the song he said you don't have enough time this isn't going to work he's like no 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 no. i got this that's good i've i've worked it out it's fine what edgar said that yeah (laughs) (laughs) and he gets in the edit he's like crap we don't have enough time oh no and so what he did is and this is one of those brilliant moments that you can't help but just kind of stand up and applaud. He went back and shot Baby getting this is uh during the Jamie Foxx uh bats sequence of robbing the bank during the truck mm, okay. and they've switched cars. 
Gotcha. Yeah. And whenever baby goes back and rewinds the track. Oh, yes. That felt like a very natural moment, but that was his cheat. He went and shot that close up of him rewinding the track. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? And that got him extra time. Oh my God. <laughs> because it's so perfectly. And, and it was a lot keeping. of time too, considering, yeah. considering all how fast all the cuts were and everything. It was probably a good five, six seconds at least. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but it's so perfect in keeping with his character, right? Because yeah. he literally got knocked off track. Um, and you know, as a double entendre, right? He got, yeah, the, the, his plan was out of sync now and because he had to switch cars and run away and reconvene. And so he rewinds it to get himself back in track oh and back in rhythm. Oh my gosh. I want to, I want to go watch it right now. Brilliant. I want to go watch it. Okay. Oh okay we got to stop and I'm going to go watch it. And we'll come be back. back. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I kind of want to stop it and go watch it and come back and finish it. <laughs> Just be like, dink. Okay, man, we're back. Okay. (laughs) What's another really cool thing is so we did uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. These films more or less were being made at the same time. And they know each other, Edgar Wright and James Gunn. And those are very music driven films. Um, One of the only two Marvel films that really aren't driven by their own crappy orchestral, you know, mm-hmm. takeovers. Yeah. And because of the eras they were both dipping into, you know, you have these seventies, eighties tracks, right? Yeah. They, Edgar described it as playing a song music battleship <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't want to give away what they were doing. And so they would just send a text, you know, to one another. Edgar would send one like, do you have any ABBA? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, Okay, good. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm not telling you what I got. That's so awesome. As long as it's not Eva, that's all we need to know. <laughs> but that's, that is so freaking cool. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, I think there's probably just dozens and dozens of... What, what else did you learn in the Q&A with him? Uh, I mean, any, did, he, did he like mention anything about like any kind of hiccups in the, in the shoot or... Um, he said, Kevin Spacey lost a finger. I'm just kidding. I was like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> the next house card season is going to be awesome. <laughs> you know what? He did say that, uh, just joking around, actually jogged one loose. <laughs> he said that Kevin Spacey never, never like ad-libbed that he was pretty on point with his delivery and his dialogue. You, that's okay. Yeah, Isn't that amazing? Like, I think that's really freaking cool because I'm sure he wouldn't have minded Kevin Spacey doing his thing, but that dude is in is such a master of the craft. He can take anything you write and suddenly make it musical and make it land naturally. Uh, I, I, this is so crazy that you said that because one of the things I wanted to address was Kevin Spacey's uh, performance in this. It 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 honestly felt like he was reciting a script to mm. me, but not in a bad way. Like yeah. nor nine, nine point nine, nine, nine times out of 10. When somebody says that, oh, it's sure. bad. Yeah. It's not a good yeah. thing. Like, Oh, he didn't go off script and I could tell. Um, and that's normally a bad thing in this case. It was, it was like he was singing. He was singing the lyrics to a song and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't yeah. mush mouthing it because he didn't know a word here or a word there. He knew every single word to this song. And, you could tell, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. 
other than just saying, go watch it because, uh, every it's, it's almost like every single word is with intention. Like he thought about it before he said it. And half the time that we're talking, like we're sitting here talking, I don't know what I'm going to say the next sentence, but he knew his character knew three sentences down the road, what he's going to say. He got in the car wreck as a baby, still got a humming a drum. That's what makes him the best. Yes. Oh my gosh. Maybe, maybe it's like harken back to like older films. A little bit, right? You know, where, where yeah. they didn't go off script back then. They were yeah. like, this is the script. This is what I say. So Here are get, my words, yeah. you know, and those, you know, like, this great older films. I mean, you know, but like, it makes sense because I mean, they call him doc. That's his nickname, uh, mm-hmm. in their highest world, their underworld. And doctors are by the book, right? You, you learn, you go to school and, you address a thing. This is what that thing is. And this is what I'm going to call that thing. And so I think you're right. There is a, a lot of premeditation that is probably coming out of his character. And it's because, yeah, he does know exactly what he was about to say. And he's about to land that like a freaking boss. Yeah, man. (laughs) It's so good. And he's an interesting character because doc is effectively the bad guy throughout most of the film. Most of it, most of it. And they do that twist. Where suddenly he's he's the good guy on on yeah. Ansel's side, on yeah, yeah. baby's side. And he's like, you know, love, you know, this is the only thing. He's just, I mean, he's a hard ass, but he does love the kid, I guess. Yeah. Is that yeah. kind of it? I think that's it, man. I, I think it really is as simple as that. He, he sees what that kid is going through reflected in his own history. Mm-hmm. And he's okay with that. He's okay with... Uh, sticking up for for someone who needs a little help at the beginning of their life because he's still he really is young right he's yeah. probably 20 years old or something um man and his performance ansel's performance is so good <laughs> so, so good. good i mean whoever who casted this i don't even know when i go look it up but man <laughs> so good john ham is fantastic I'm not like a crazy John Hamm fan. Same. No, I'm not a crazy fan either. This is off the top of my head. I mean, my favorite John Hamm performance, even more than Mad Men personally. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, And he was right for Mad Men. Don't get me wrong. I don't Mm -hmm. think he did a bad job, Um, but watching him in other films like the town, I'm just like, okay, you know, I don't know if you're really going to find your feet again because Mm -hmm. of how good you were in that one role. Is that just because that's who you are or do you have more acting in the, in the trunk? And he does. Definitely. I mean, this is, he does this really, he does like the, you know, the bank robber, bad guy, Mm -hmm. but has, it's a perfect role for him because he has like this nice streak to him. You know, he's, he's a, he's nice to Ansel. He, he likes him. He likes the kid. Right. And you like that he likes the kids. So you automatically like him. True. Right. And the juxtaposition between him and Griff, um, because Griff hates him. Yeah. Hates Ansel, um, or baby. And, uh, so the juxtaposition between Griff hating it, uh, baby. And then, and then John Hamm coming up and like talking to him and listening to what he's listening to. And like, you're like, I like this guy. And you start to, realize how bad he actually is and he's the real bad guy Mm -hmm. it's such a great transition it's everyone has their line they have a line in the sand if you cross that line so do they they're gonna suddenly be the opposite of what you thought they were 
uh, for Buddy, you know, Darling was everything to him. Mm-hmm. And so whenever she gets inadvertently killed through baby's actions, suddenly you've crossed my line. Just, you know, the exact opposite with Doc. He's like, you, I'm going to cross that line because I now appreciate everything you're fighting for. Right. Um, because baby now has Deborah, Deborah. Um, who looks like a zebra. <laughs> Gosh, she's beautiful. She's gorgeous. In this movie. Yeah, yeah. she's just lighting up the room. Every time she's in she's in the screen, it's yeah. And what's amazing is we buy into their love. They don't have that much screen time. And if you just block out everything except her point of view, what she knows and has seen, there's no real reason to believe that she loves baby or that she's willing to wait five years for him while he's in jail. Like there's no real reason that you can see for her to love him that much. And I never question it. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I never question it. You know, their little, uh, ear pod dance in the laundromat, uh, as they're listening to music together, sharing the same uh, set of headphones and all, I mean, it's a very short montage of moments and I'm like, yeah, they just make sense. And maybe that's also through the lack of other love interest possibilities or I don't know. I really don't know. Or the fact that uh, she's working in the same place that his mom worked. And so we we see her through his point of view as well. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But it it never made me think twice about it. You know, watching the film. I'm like, yeah, they got to be together. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It just works. It just makes sense. Um and speaking about his mom and his parents, I love the moment where he's watching, he has to dispose of the body, right? Right. And get that car totaled, uh, compacted, and he's just sitting there watching it. And he doesn't like it. He doesn't like the car being being destroyed, which harkens back to his parents. He doesn't like cars being destroyed. Um, he loves cars. He has a very fond view of them. And that that moment is at the core of his being. That's why he is who he is. That's why he's good at cars, because he doesn't think cars should ever be wrecked. Because yeah. his first wreck not only ruined his hearing, but lost his parents in his life. Yeah. And so that's such a driving influence. But they never really hit you over the head with it. And it goes back to respecting the audience. Because it's just there. You can piece it together. But there's never a big emotional outburst about it. He's never... The, the most you really get is that he's obsessed with getting his mom's voice back. Right. That's yeah. close. And that's such a logical thing anyway. Sure. Like if that's the only thing you have connecting you with your, with your mom, like, yeah, why yeah, wouldn't you do that? Absolutely. And I, I love that scene too. I think I, I mentioned that to you after. Um, so he, he watches the, it's just another, this is awesome. Uh, another tie in to kind of like the music world. Music videos do this a lot. So uh, he's so he's standing there and he's watching the the car uh, get crushed, and uh, and it's it's normal speed. And then he starts walk and he's listening to something in his headphones. And he starts walking away, and the music doesn't slow down, but the 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 video does. So the film slows down. His walking slows down. He's in slow motion now, but the music is still going. And he's singing. He's like mouthing the the words to the song as he's walking away. 
And like I said, music videos do this a lot. What you do is beforehand, you speed up the, the song and you have the, the, the band play it at the, the higher speed. So like you, you play it at double the speed. So they're playing at double the speed, you know, and, and you're filming it and then you slow the film down and it looks like they're playing regular, they're, they're playing along with it in sequence of the song, but they're playing it in slow motion and they just do that seamlessly. And then it comes back to the normal speed and, uh, and he's back in it. And it's just this little moment, all one shot, that's like 30 seconds long or a minute long. And Total it's, throwaway yeah, that he didn't have to do. Did not have to do that. But just how else can we play with music? How else can we do that? How else can we immerse you in this guy's world and yes. make you empathize with them? Yes. And slow motion does a great job of that. When you're watching someone feel something yeah. and then you watch them feel it slowly with you know emotional music, mm-hmm. you can't help but to connect and and empathize yeah it draws you into mm-hmm. to their head yeah 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 no that's a really great point because i mean we've done that right i mean it's not something yeah. that you just kind of do lightly yeah it takes planning it takes it's, intention yeah. <laughs> exactly it is not easy not at all um yeah there's just so many freaking things so going back to the foreshadowing right you had griff who foreshadowed that we wouldn't see him again and therefore he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, before his exit, right, he makes that comment to uh, baby, uh, one of these days, baby, you're going to get blood on your hands. And I love that because the next heist or no, it's that heist, right? When they get down to the basement, what does he get from doc? He gets a gift from doc and it's gloves. Yeah. And it's just interesting that he just got accused of, you know, at one point you're going to get blood on his hands and this doc that comes to give him the protection from that blood. Um, and I think it's foreshadowing of what happens later on, right? Yeah. Baby does get blood on his hands. He gets Darling killed, mm-hmm. but he's coming after him. And then Doc steps in with his, with his shotgun. Yeah. Because even as, uh, as Doc is, or uh, Griff is leaving, or uh, Buddy's leaving, you know what he says to him? He said, Buddy says to Baby as they're leaving at the very, after that very first heist, mm-hmm. he says, Next time Doc calls, don't pick up. And he points his finger at Doc, almost making a gun motion. Um, and, oh, man. And it's like just giving you everything, you yeah. know, uh, very slightly because there's no reason you should think, Oh, God, they're going to come at it. No. So, so for all you filmmakers out there, I think that the, the premise of this is write the end first. Yeah. And then work backwards. Yeah. That's much more interesting when you, know where when you're you watch go. it. Yeah. Know where you're going to go. Yeah. Anyway. I love that. And I put a note here and I have no idea why I wrote it. I love your notes. Oh, uh, it's so weird. And I don't know if there's, we're so different. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got out of, I got, out of, I got out of school a long time ago for a reason. <laughs> Not to take notes anymore. And you know what? I was a terrible note taker in school. I never studied. I never took notes. And now look at you. I know. That's all I do. <laughs> that's all you do. Just give me something I care about. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I wrote down uh, bloody bull that won't go down. And I don't remember if there's something he's watching on TV. Uh, maybe there's Who? a... Who says that? No one says it. It's just oh. some, it's what I wrote. <laughs> I wrote bloody bull won't go down. 
Um, and I think maybe there's like a documentary they're watching on TV and there's a matador who's trying to take oh, down. Oh yeah. Right. Is that, does that happen? Yeah. Okay, good. Cause yeah. I was really struggling on why I wrote that down. I didn't finish making my note cause I always think when I write my notes, Oh, you'll, you'll know what that means later. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know who's, who said that sounds like somebody said that. No, you know what I think it is. I think it's the his blind roommate, foster yeah. parent, watching it on TV or and listening he, to and it. He like signs it. Um, no, I think there it's just on TV, and he's listening to it. Maybe Bloody Bull know. won't go down. Nobody's no, no one says it. I I wrote Are that you down. Sure? I wrote that. I completely fabricated that. Or, that sounds like something that they would have said. It definitely sounds like it. It would doesn't fit. sound like maybe wow. because then again, I still don't really know what I meant. Now I need to go watch it again. Yes, but I think that was also foreshadowing John Hamm, right? Yeah, yeah. Who just refused to die? Um, oh my gosh! In the most yeah. glorious way, right? <laughs> Every time you think I was he's like, down. dude, die, just come go. on. And it, he had a really beautiful send off, right? With the yes. falling and mm-hmm. the synchronization to the explosion and the music. Yeah, it's so good so good <laughs> yeah and i mean there's tons of the this whole movie i feel like it's just every scene is foreshadowing something the uh the car uh during the final planning for the heist uh the car runs off the table um off mm-hmm. the map yeah um which you can take as multiple foreshadowings one the uh the plan goes awry it doesn't go as planned they go off the off the table off the map uh metaphorically and then that's literally how John Hamm dies. Right. Uh, his car goes off the mm. off the end of the ramp or whatever. Right. Yeah, uh, the parking garage. The parking garage. Yeah. So I mean, I could. There's several more, but that, I think mm-hmm. you get the idea. There's so much of foreshadowing that I think if you watch it again with that in mind, you'll pick out all these really fun little moments that are just like Easter eggs. If it wasn't waiting it for you already late, I would go watch it right now. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. It, I'm looking at the time. I'm like, oh gosh, you're going to, oh, you've got plenty of time. <laughs> it's not 3 a.m. yet. That's true. Uh, also, so going back to Baby and music, his music choice, I think, is kind of cool because it's all old music. It's uh, 70s, 80s tracks, you know, maybe 190 track in there somewhere. But it's a simpler time, you know, at least to him, because this was when these are times either that predate him that are times that his parents were living in when they were still alive. Um, so it's his connection with them, but maybe, you know, historically speaking, we kind of look back on that with a little bit of rose colored glasses. Oh, it's a mm-hmm. simpler time. Um, and same thing with the diner that he loves. It's, it's a very classical looking diner, right? Yeah. With the aprons and their outfits and the floor, the old school booths. But I think it's a way of distancing, distancing himself from who he is now, especially since his role is as a, uh, a getaway driver, which the point of a getaway driver is to put distance between you and the crime. And so mm-hmm. I think it, the music choice is an extension of his job in terms of trying to distance himself from what he actually is because he's a criminal Mm -hmm. and anything he can do to kind of put up a barrier between him and admitting that he's a criminal. Uh, I think he's trying to do, it's a very psychological trick that he's playing on himself and he has to come to terms with that eventually, which he does right in the end. 
he finally is like, no, this is the life I picked. I'm going to go to jail yeah. and I'm not taking you with me. Um, so that, that begs an interesting question. Um, why do you think, why do you think he always listens to music? I know they say he's got a, he's got a hum in the drum. Yeah. The t- I don't necessarily buy that. The tinnitus. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily buy it. I feel like it's more, I mean, his, his mom was a singer. His yeah. mom loved music. And so yeah. it's a, his way of staying close to her connecting. Yeah. You can, you, you don't hear tinnitus when you're driving at 85 miles an hour, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're driving at 85 miles an hour, trying to get away from the cops. Right. I mean, that's a pretty bad tinnitus, <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty sure that, that, you know, like, uh, even military guys probably wouldn't hear it if they're, that have been to war, if they're, you know, trying to get away from the cops, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can understand like in, in everyday life, just always listening to music, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, that tinnitus is a good excuse, uh, storytelling-wise, but it's also a good excuse for the kid as a distraction method. Like, if I have too many thoughts, you know, I'm restless at night when I'm trying to fall asleep, and I won't because I have too many thoughts going through my head replaying, you know, arguments or fights or what-if scenarios, well, in order to keep me from... Diving into that, you know, I'm going to watch Futurama until I fall asleep because I'm so familiar with it that I don't really have to think about it too much. So it's this perfect little halfway spot of it's a distraction, but not too distracting. Yeah. And maybe that's what he's dealing with. He has he has a lot of emotional trauma that he's trying to escape. Like he's Mm -hmm. doesn't want to think about his parents, Mm -hmm. but he also wants to stay connected. Um, And so it's that halfway point that he can kind of find to. To keep them sane, yeah, <laughs> and to keep them from going down a, a, a dark place, or it's just a way that Edgar Wright can, yeah, I think at the end of start the day, to use music, <laughs> yeah, outside the uh, the story world, yeah, one thousand percent. I think that might be it. Well, I was look look for meanings and things, but yeah, for sure. I mean, it's that's easily a way that you can just back your way into good reasoning, yeah. Um, and speaking of Edgar Wright, this is right in keeping with all of his stylings right you got the quick cuts with the zooms um it's very he's been a very rhythmic editor and filmmaker from the get-go i mean you can watch every single one of his films and they all have the grabbing my coat and keys and locking the door yeah you know three or four yeah yeah and boom yeah exactly and this just feels like the whatever 90 minute version of that. <laughs> and it's the pacing uh, is really great though. I yeah. mean, you know, I never, I never feel like anything is wasted or like takes too long or I, I have to, I have to disagree about it feeling like a musical. Yeah. It, it, a musical is so much more boring than this. And I'm sorry for all you musical fans out there, but <laughs> start making better damn musicals and I won't you know, complain about them. Yeah. But as it stands, 90% of them suck because yeah. I'm sitting here. Okay. You could have told me this in 10 seconds, or we can take five minutes to sing and dance to it. And it drives me crazy. Uh, I mean, La La Land actually was good. That's yeah. a good way to do it. I mean, it did that same thing yeah. where it would take five, six minutes to tell me something. It could t- tell me in 10 seconds, but it was, 
it was so well directed and produced and written. It was just so well done. Yeah. The performance and interesting. Is, yeah. Like, you know, this doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like, like the music, uh, supports it and pushes it along rather than hinders it and slows it down. No, I agree. I'm not a big fan of musicals either. Um, I love La La Land. And if you consider Sing Street a musical, then yeah, I love Sing Street. But I mean, I wasn't, I liked once. I didn't love once. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the acting and the performances for sure and the connection. But it's not something that I've been driven to watch again and again. Yeah. Um, but as a, uh, Rule of thumb, if it's a musical, it's going to be a really hard sell. So I agree yeah. that I don't consider this a musical. Yeah. I no, don't have no. much to add. <laughs> yeah. Done. Um, what's your favorite moment? Oh, man. My favorite, uh, that's maybe put me on the spot. <laughs> I would, I would probably have to say the opening sequence. Uh, I mean, there were, there were several that I could pick throughout the film. Um, a couple involve Lily James. Yeah. Uh, I just love their interaction. I mean, maybe this, the scene in the diner when, uh, when bats is with them, Jamie Foxx and he, the, nobody knows that he knows that, uh, baby knows Deborah. That scene was really tense Yeah, and didn't ha- like it, it, something like that is so easy to, for it not to be tense. Like it has to be done really well. Mm-hmm. And it, and it really was. And, and the whole time I was like, Oh, just don't look at him again, Deborah. Don't look at baby. Yeah. Just stop it. Don't look at him as you walk away. Don't, don't do that. Talk to him. Don't, don't ask him. what's yeah, up. Just, yeah, whatever. Um, so it was, it was, and then, and then bats realizes it. So it got really tense in that so, scene. You know, what's, a funny aside, another thing that came out of the Q&A, Jamie Foxx makes this uh, ad-lib comment. Um, who is it? Buddy says something, uh, and he makes this comment like, that's some Oscar shit right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> Edgar Wright found it funny. Oh, like, oh probably because he said he came from Wall Street and acting or something. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. And Edgar Wright was like, oh, we got to keep that. Because it's just funny to have Jamie Foxx making a comment, having won an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little no, tiny great. details. So, so Jamie Foxx's performance is total opposite from Kevin Spacey's, just from what I remember. So, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, Kevin Spacey is by the book, and it was noticeable. He's by the book. Um, he knows exactly what's going on, what he's going to do next. And Jamie Foxx's character just is not, he is so aloof, whatever the, the F happens fine and whatever. And his acting portrays that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel at all like he's reading from a script or that he's reciting a script. I couldn't tell you what was ad libbed and what wasn't. Um, so knowing that was like, Oh, that that's cool. I would yeah. never have guessed that, you know? Um, is just awesome. So it, it's, I don't know if Edgar, it's good balance, right? yeah, it's a good, really good balance. I don't know if Edgar wanted, uh, Kevin Spacey to be by the book. Um, I think you said that he probably would have let him do. A I'm sure bit he would have, but, <clears throat> but being like the leader, yeah. you know, of everything, it was just good that he was by the book, but you know, and, uh, bats is like this, this kind of like, like Joker, this wild card that, 
that you have no idea what's going to happen and neither does he, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, that's true. And I love the, uh, his death sequences. Oh yeah. Freaking cool. Man. Oh my gosh. So good. And was not expecting it at that moment. I mean, I was expecting it probably, but yeah, you're anticipating like, Oh God, there's the pipes. Is he, he's not gonna do that. Is he gonna do that? What's I think I kind of expected it, but maybe not right then. Right. Like maybe, you know, like a scene later or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, it was, it was still, yeah. Oh, I kind of knew, yeah, I, I did kind of know it was going to happen, but just not right then. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I'm probably on the same page. My favorite scenes are between Lily James and, and Ansel. Mm-hmm. Uh, love seeing them together. I love the, uh, I don't know the, it felt really honest and really, I don't know. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, cool. Too much, too much to pick from. So, um, what would you give this out of 10? I would put this probably about an eight or a nine. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe an eight. Uh, the ending I think was apt and smart, but I don't know. The, the momentum kind of died for me and I, I just lost a little bit of the, I don't know, the good vibes. And it's not that I think they should have got away, gotten away with it. I, I mean, I'm not a better writer and director than Edgar Wright, so I'm not going to tell him how to make it better. Um, no, but you have your opinions. Yeah, I, and I wouldn't know how. There's just something there that was missing for me, for whatever it would be, whether it's speed, getting him back with her together again, or helping sell that he's only going to do five years for all the insanity that he did. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's a stretch. I, I totally agree. I, I feel like, but, uh, eight or eight and a half. Yeah. Um, be, the same thing, you know, from the, from the point that where they, after John Hamm dies, where they drive, start driving away, uh, I'm still with it. I'm still with it. And then, um, when they get caught by the police, uh, it just kind of slows down for me. And I, again, I agree with you. I don't know how, it would yeah. have been better some other way. Maybe if I sat down and really thought about it, I could maybe think of something that I would personally like a little bit better, but, um, it was, it was still really solid, so really good. I, 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 I bought watch it, it. 10 more times. Yeah. I mean, you know, you get to see them together again, yeah. which you always, you want to see in the, and I love the, the uh, and that's the easiest foreshadowing of all of it is him imagining that he's getting out of jail and she's waiting there with this classic, car and she's done in her fifties dress and, and hairdo. And then later on he get when he does get out of jail, she's waiting there with the the nice car and she's done up and they drive away together or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um it's still great. I mean yeah. it doesn't it doesn't have to be like a um uh a tragedy. Right. Yeah. To be yeah. good. <laughs> right. You know? That's <laughs> Completely good. Completely agree. Yeah. Uh you have a reco for the week? Um What's yours? I'll let you go first. I was really shocked by a film that Lily James is also in. And she's phenomenal in Cinderella. Oh, what? Yeah. It's really? a great movie. Uh, maybe great strong, but it's a really, really, really good movie. Oh, wow. Um, and I didn't... I don't know even know why I sometimes just load things into my Netflix DVD account. And they get here, and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm watching this right now. And I watched it, didn't know anything about it other than I'm familiar with the story itself. But this particular film, 
I was thinking I was getting Snow White, actually. I was like, this is going to be terrible. Oh, a bunch God. of bad CG. It's yeah. going to be. Um, but it. You know, but, you don't have to watch it if it comes in the mail. You can just send it back. I can. It's so disrespectful. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you already ordered it, so it got paid. You don't have to actually waste the two and a half hours to watch it. <laughs> but the film is really strong. They They put it together. Uh, writing wise in such a strong way. And I, it was like 20 minutes into this film and I was like, I think I'm hooked. Oh wow. What's going on right now? And then as the film, the uh, climax hits and all the resolution and everything happens. I was just like, Oh my God, this was a really good movie. I don't understand. (laughs) And then uh, it was directed by Kenneth Branagh. Oh man. Awesome. And so that was my, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Here we are now. That's great. Yeah. It's so a that, great wreck. You should definitely. Do you still have the out. DVD? No. God, <laughs> son of a. How dare you send it back? But she's so wonderful. She's such a great actor. And I, I hope I get to see her in more, more films for awesome. sure. Awesome. Yeah, great. Uh, I'm going to recommend Popcorn. I know it's, <laughs> I know. Is there a movie called popcorn? No, there's a not book? a movie. No, no, it's a food. Oh, the food. Yeah. The food. You're recommending popcorn. I'm recommending popcorn. <laughs> the, not the, the theater popcorn, popcorn, like stovetop popcorn. So, which I make like all the time, Ooh. constantly, as you know, mm-hmm. um, it's good for you. And, uh, the way that I make it is good for you. And, it's a delicious snack. So you just, uh, it's very easy to make. You just put a tablespoon of butter, a couple tablespoons of coconut oil, and then, uh, line the bottom of the pan with popcorn and turn it up to like medium high. Just a, like a frying pan. No, like a pot with a lid. Make sure oh. you have a lid. So duh. Like how big of a pot should this be? Like, like a, a normal spaghetti pot. Oh, okay. Spaghetti pot. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And uh, give it a couple of shakes as it starts to pop, and that's it. And then just put salt on it. That's it. I mean, you could put whatever you want on it, but I'm boring and just like it plain with salt. And it's amazing. It's just put kosher salt on it. Kosher salt, and it is so good. And I could eat a pound of it every single night. That is awesome. Great, (laughs) Reco. Except for the weeks that I race, I can't eat it. The weeks that I race. Oh, really? Why is that? Uh, it causes inflammation. You uh, just, you don't really run well I didn't know that. with it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But it's fantastic for at home movies. We'll put that on the, in the show notes at the pestle slash baby driver. Next week we are doing the new it. Movie, yeah. yeah. Stephen King's it. And pretty excited. I'm going to go watch it again and, and, do my notes. Yeah. I I need to go with you. I need to see it again. I liked it so much more than the original run. It's not saying much. No, it's not because the original just wasn't as good as I remembered it. I watched it a lot growing up Yeah, and I went to try to rewatch it, uh, like a couple years ago. I was like, Oh my God, this is so wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, you, you got, you would have gotten through snow white, but you couldn't get through it. Not a like four that hour bad? miniseries. Oh, all right. Okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, I will at some point. Just uh, because, yeah, of course you will. <laughs> that's just what you I just do. finished <laughs> Infinite Jest. So, <laughs> so you're you're down with wasting time. <laughs> awesome. 
Don't forget to subscribe and drop us a note if you want us to review or tackle a film. Yep. Uh, we have a lot of really cool films I think we're going to be doing in the coming weeks. Give us suggestions. We yes. want to hear from you guys. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So we'll leave you with a quote of the day. This one's from the great Edgar Wright. Maybe directors who are more interested in realism and naturalism come from cities where they see things on their doorstep every day. But growing up as a kid in a very pretty, but ever so slightly boring town, where not a great deal happened, encouraged me to be more escapist, more imaginative, and more of a daydreamer. That's interesting. I don't know. I think it's a, an, an interesting theory that, oh, you grow up in a city, you're more grounded to harsh realities, and therefore you create more dramatic or uh, you're you're reliving or telling things that you know are dramatic and that you're familiar with. And because he grew up away from that, he doesn't really relate. And maybe I didn't grow up in a very pretty town um, or necessarily a very boring town, but I came from a very tiny town. Mm-hmm. Literally in my within the city limits of the tiny town of Somerville, Texas, there's less than, I don't know, 1,300 people. Wow. Tiny. That is, that is tiny town. Yeah. But maybe there's something to that because there was there was definitely a lot of drama um, being in a small town. I ran into a cop one time who lived in Somerville and had moved to Bryan College Station and was a, uh, an officer in BCS. And I ran into him one time. And I was like, oh, hey, dude, this guy went to school with my big brother. And I was like, dude, you must uh, be pretty busy here now. He's like, no, actually, being... Being an officer here is much more boring than it was in Burleson County. I was like, what? He's like, oh, dude, you have no idea. It was something always crazy going on. And so now, yeah, it's pretty chill. <laughs> I was like, what? Interesting. So maybe his theory is holding true in that I just didn't have a very boring town um, or a very pretty one. So Interesting. Do you buy wow. into the other idea of you, um, you're a creator as an artist? You're creating based off of life experiences i mean i think i think i don't really buy into it i i I think you know if you're a if you turn if you become an artist whether that's you know a a actual like painter or 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 if you make music or you make film i mean a lot of it like you said stems from uh your experience but you know, you, you still have experiences if you live in a big city and just because you're not bored doesn't mean that you don't create stuff. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like I grew up in Houston, Mm. millions, like 2 million people at the, at the time in the city limits and maybe more. And I had plenty to say, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I had my heart broken by girls. I, you know, like felt lonely. Um, I got depressed. I, I was like super happy. I, at times my, you know, I was mad at my parents, you know, uh, uh, had fights like, you know, the same sort of stuff. Life still happened all the way. Yeah, It all still happened. And it was just, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe you just need something else to do if you're in a, like a boring town or like if you're bored in a small town, you just need something else to do. 
Um, but I think that when you're, at least when you're a kid and you're growing up, especially before you have a car, and back in those those days where when you and I and Edgar Wright were growing right. up, there were no cell phones. Right. So it was, and there was no internet. Right. So you were bored whether you were in a small town or in a big town because you couldn't really do anything. You yeah. could either just watch TV or listen to music or make music yeah. or make film, make TV, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So maybe something somewhere in there. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, we're maybe a product of our life experiences in terms of artists, whether you're escaping and creating escapism or if you're him and you just had a really happy go lucky childhood and it's like, yeah, this is what we yeah, do. I mean, it's we're both, fun. we're both creative types and yeah. I came from big city, came from a small town. It's true. Yeah. yeah. No rhyme or reason. Something you just create what you want to create. Jeez, Edgar, come on, man. <laughs> you got better than that. Uh, anyway alright guys uh, we're gonna let it go at that uh, make sure you watch some movies drop us a line online and let us know what you want us to review and uh, until next week uh, I am Todd I am Wes go watch some movies mm-hmm.